the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, hello, it's Crystal with another episode of Life Inspired. Love being with this gentleman. Who am I talking about? The founder and executive director of Word is Bond, Lakiana Drury. Lakiana is an educator. He's a storyteller, a community organizer. He was featured as one of Portland's business journals, class of 2021, 40 under 40. And I'm going to tell you right now, Lakiana ceases to amaze me. This Word is Bond organization that really caters to our black youth, future leaders in this city is making leaps and bounds. And I'm so proud that my son Rock is a part of the organization and is being mentored by you. Lakiana, thank you so much and welcome to our show. Crystal, thank you for the wonderful introduction. It's great to be here. Um, I'm excited. I think we're in a very fun moment in our organization, but also very uh, hectic at the same time. So, Oh, that's because you're blowing up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the latest project that you guys are working on is In My Shoes. What a perfect time during Black History Month. Yeah, you know, I've always feel that this is a special month. And the goal of Word is Bond is to storytell and to uplift the stories of rising black men and really bring them to the forefront of the the public consciousness. And so this is another opportunity to do that. I think it's a blessing and a curse that I have a very creative mind and I'm always looking at new ways to do it. So the In My Shoes project is an extension of what we did this summer where we took our officers on walking tours and now we're mm. um, broadening it and adding in other elements this month. And this is not just a walking tour of the city. You've got nine tours. Yeah. The first one's already booked. Yeah. The <laughs> first, yeah, the first two are almost... people that have signed up. We're going to tell you how you can sign up if you want to come along and listen to the voices of young people who might not otherwise be heard, whose stories might not be told or even listened to. Talk to me more about what the focus and what the goal is of what each of these young people is going to be doing. Yeah. So the goal is to shed light on their experiences and also the neighborhoods that shaped them and to be really dynamic in it, too. Right. Like we're not just going to be pointing out certain buildings, but we're going to be reading poetry. We're going to be talking about personal stories. They're going to be sharing their visions for their communities and the city and also their futures as well. So it's the community will get to hear something that you just can't walk off the street and get mm. right. Um, neighborhoods in and of themselves can't tell their stories. Um, and not everybody who lives in a neighborhood has the same story. So these storytellers, these community ambassadors from Word is Bond have a really special opportunity to to talk about what these communities mean for them. And there's so much going on in our city, whether it's houselessness or gun violence or even the pandemic. But 
our young men are not just stories of gun violence. There's so mm-hmm. much more to them. And what the beauty is of Word is Bond is that, yes, we serve rising black men, but they're not all the same. There's not one story in here that you're going to hear that's like, oh, I've heard that story before, or it's the same as the other two or so. It's a really unique opportunity. I'm blessed that I get to go on all nine of them. Um and yeah, it'll be just an amazing opportunity to uplift them and, and for them to be in a position of power, which for, for, for black men is not always the case. These are opportunities. Like we said, Word is Bond is about rising young leaders. Yeah. You're training them in the process of all of this storytelling. What is your hope and goal for these young men that are participating in Word is Bond. And for those of you who don't know what it is, give us a brief synopsis of what it is, how it came to be, because it's not that old. You've been around no. for, what, four years? Yeah, going on, well, going on, I've been in Portland for going on six, and Word is Bond has been around five. So my entire experience in Portland has been defined by this nonprofit and the work that I that I do. Um, and it was a combination of a couple of things. It was a combination of my own experience growing up mm-hmm. as a young black man, as a biracial man, um, and the absence of my father and the, the, the gaping hole that that was, and wanting and looking at the world and saying, where am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to be? Am I am I supposed to be what I'm seeing in the rap videos? Am I supposed to be what my white peers are doing or my black peers? And what programs can I exist in? And there wasn't one that was for young black men. There was mm. ones for kids on free and reduced lunch. There was one for kids that don't have parents that can pick them up right after school because we're still working. There was one for um, men of color. But what I wanted to do when I was in the position to help create Word is Bomb was create a program that unapologetically focused on rising black men. Um, And I use the word rising because we are these young people are ascending into manhood, Mm -hmm. into adulthood and to rise into black man to be a black man is a very complicated um, position to be in because of the nature of this country. And so. There needs to be a, a navigation of sorts, right? Of how, where do I go? Who mm. am I supposed to become? Become? And the reality is, the answer is anybody that you want to be. The possibilities are endless, but we are not told that. We are told there's only about three things you can be. A rapper, a basketball player, or in jail, right? Mm. And so it's very hard to figure out what are my possibilities. And so my hope that when these young men complete our program and they go off into the bigger world, that they take the skills with them, that they feel that they are worthy, that they do have Mm. a story to tell, um, and that they have connections. So we want to connect them with black leaders, with other city leaders, um, with business owners, so that they have um, a network of support around them. You're not only going to do it, but I've seen what you've done already, and it has brought Fortune 500 CEOs to tears. What a testament of the work that you're already doing. So again, these young men are going to be doing two tours, one for police officers and the second for the community. You have senators, you have city leaders that have signed up for this. And as a matter of fact, the first one has capped at over 50 people. How does that make you feel? Everything starts with an idea and a dream. I believe that the best dreams are the ones that make you want to quit. 
if you ever are pursuing something where you go to bed one night and you say, you know what, I should just wake up in the morning and cancel this whole thing, or I've thrown my entire being at this project or this idea and it's not moving and I feel like I want to give up. When you're in that position, you have found something worth pursuing. And there have been multiple occasions where I've thought, this is crazy. This is too much, or this is not working, or this, what if nobody shows up? And that's kind of where you start at. And then you kind of, you got to keep showing up day after day. If the dream does not make your stomach turn, Mm. you haven't invited God to the party. Mm. Because if you can do it on your own, it's not big enough. A hundred percent. So when it's bigger than you, he shows up. A hundred percent. And he's showing up for you. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. There's so much in this that is beyond just the in, an, an individual, um, beyond a, a one circumstance. And to see that there's, you know, that we have our tours are sold out, right? And that we've, we have to cap it. I had no idea what the community response would be. Wow. I didn't know if three people would show up, 10. I didn't know if people would look at it and say, no, nah, I'm not interested. And that's where you have to go out on a, a what I would call a leap of passion and follow what you believe. And now to see the feedback that we're getting um, makes it all worth it, right? We still have to get through the first tours. There is a lot of practice and work that has to go into it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a platform and it's an opportunity for these young men to shine and to get the recognition that they deserve. And for the nine stories that you will hear, there are a thousand that will go untold. And so this is just the tip of the iceberg of what is within the city. And I always say that I think the most underutilized resource in any city or community is the youth. They are there. They are wanting to be a part of it, but they're so often sidelined due to just people not investing in their leadership, not investing in the opportunities and seeing them as a threat rather than as an opportunity, right? And for for rising black men, they are so feared. There's so much mystique around them and so much a negative narrative that we don't see the diamonds in the rough. You are making sure that in the city of Portland, these young men are seen. My son spoke at one of the country clubs that just in the 90s was the first time women were allowed in that club. Wow. Yeah. Wow. These nine youth that are going to be doing the walking tour, how did you select them? It's it's actually more than nine. There's, I think, 14 of them total. Oh, okay. But some of them are doing tours together. together. Yep, okay, They're gotcha. teaming up, and then some of them are also assisting with like preparation and things of that nature. So a lot of them come from our summer internship program. All of them that are involved in this project, except for one, have been previously involved in Word is Bond. And I give them 100% credit. They're in school. They've got family situations. They've got all the other tasks and stuff going on in life. And they said that this is an opportunity that they want to pursue and be a part of. So it's all credit to them. And I think part of it is introducing them to opportunities, Mm. right? Youth don't always, they're not going to, nobody knows everything, right? And so it's like, presenting them the opportunity and then allowing them to take it and make of it what they will. But I think it's really important that adults expose youth to as many different opportunities as as they can get and so that they can be a part of it. And I think what also helps is that 
all of our youth on this program are paid for their time. And so they're able to make money while they're doing this, right? So they're, they're not just sacrificing their time, their stories, that, that they can use this as like a, a school year job while they're doing the other things through our partners at Work Systems. So each one of them will be able to earn $1,200 through the duration of this project. That's fantastic. The first tour again, police officers. Yes. That's an integral part of Word is Bond. Can we talk more about that? Yeah. So when we started Word is Bond in 2017, it was a small community of people. And the original idea was to have this dialogue with youth and with police officers. And the piece that I bring into it was like, I want this conversation to be young black men. Who of any group in this world is at more at odds with the police than young black men? And not due to the fault of young black men, right? Like we are living our day-to-day lives, walking down the street, going to the store, doing our lives, and and, and, and these interactions have happened. Um, but so when we did the tours in the summer as part of our Rising Leaders internship program, it was first done with the officers. And funny enough, the day we did it, I wasn't the tours weren't 100 percent where I wanted. I'm, I come from a teaching background. Right. So there's a few more tweaks and things I wanted to do. But we were the church that we held our program at. We were locked out that morning. Oh. So I said, OK, we are going to do the tours this morning. Um, and they were about 85 percent of what I had envisioned and I uh, paired the youth and the officers up, and I sent them off to do their tours and, you know, crossed my fingers and hoped for the best. And when, when they came back, they shared the most amazing stories. The officers, all of them said this was the best day of the program. I've uh, patrolled. I've worked in these neighborhoods. I've never heard these stories before. I've never had a chance to talk to these youth. The youth were, were saying it was a great opportunity for me to be able to share. We met all these people. I was walking down the street. We ran into my neighbor or we went to this restaurant or, or whatever it was. And we walked through my backyard. And so it just really showed me how important that it was um, and then what the future possibilities were. So we added some elements like a walking audit so the youth are going through their communities and auditing and looking at what are the strengths and weaknesses of my community. Mm. And we'll be turning that data in to the Portland Bureau of Transportation, which is one of our sponsors, our champion level sponsors of this project, so that they can utilize it to improve sidewalks, livability, and all of those things. Um, in all of these neighborhoods. And yeah. not all of the youth come from a bad neighborhood. No. And I think that's such a misnomer. And even if I did come from a quote unquote a bad neighborhood, my experience might not be the narrative that is that neighborhood. Right. So it's like. And oh, I hate that I use that term, no, bad no, no. neighborhood. A um, neighborhood that needs improvement. A, a neighborhood needs improvement, underserved. I underserved. Mean, there's, you there know, you go. like there's, there's no wrong way to do it. This is all part of like the learning process, yeah. right? As we really, and, and in 2022, that's the world we live in where we're really being conscious of the language we're yes, using, right? And, absolutely. And trying to just get um, more precise, more, more accurate with what we're doing. And, and language matters, right? Even if we were to say like at-risk youth, right? And right. using a, a, a deficit-based model. Um, so a really common phrase to now use is at hope, right? Or at promise. I love it. Um, because, you know, because when I was growing up, right, I was, I was always labeled as low income, right? And that's not the attribute I chose for myself. And that's not the attribute that defines my existence, right? So, And it doesn't define your future. Absolutely. And so how do we use language to to be intentional about what we mean? At hope, 
At purpose. At promise. At promise. Yeah. Oh my god! I just added purpose. Okay, great. Get yeah. Excited. It's, you could take it and run with it <laughs> as, as you do. It. I'll take it. And you said something else about the police officers and how the walking tours affected them. Many times when they were in those neighborhoods, they wouldn't go there if it wasn't for being called there. Yeah. So I can see how it's a benefit to them as well. The walking tours are going to be 45 minutes, and at the end of the 45 minutes, there's a 15-minute opportunity for those who are there to ask the youth questions. Yes. I think that's very important. Yeah. Um, Give feedback. I know that there will be a lot of... um yeah, questions and thoughts. As I got people, a feeling it's going to be longer than an hour. I I do too. <laughs> like this weekend is we are going to see what happens. Oh, you know, get excited! Like, um, and and I was just writing this in my journal last night. I'm not nervous. I'm thrilled. I'm excited to see the people show up. Um, the first tour has a number of elected leaders on board. I think that's extremely important. Um, so I'm just excited. I'm excited for the youth to get the recognition that they deserve. I'm excited to show the city what we are capable of and to lift up the narratives of these stories and, and use this as a starting point, not an ending point, right? So I hope when people go on these tours that they don't say, okay, well, now I've, I've filled my cup of Black History Month, um, but they use this to say, well, what else can I learn? What can I do whatever my background, whatever my privileges are. To contribute. To contribute, to do something else. So, Fantastic. So once again, if you would like to be a part of the In My Shoes, Word is Bond walking tour, go to mywordisbond.org slash in my shoes. Fantastic. And I would say sign up sooner than later if you want to be on one of the walking tours. Yeah. Cully's full. Lentz is full. Mount Scott this Saturday is not full. So there are still some slots for that one. This, as you said, is just the beginning. It's leading up to something bigger. You are taking 10 of these young men to Washington, D.C. for spring break this year. Yes. They're going to be coming up with legislation, correct? A public policy proposal for an issue in their community. So these audits are helping them identify issues that they might want to choose for their public policy issues. So they're starting six leadership meetings leading up to the Spring Leadership Forum. Uh, They just had their first meeting last night. So next week, they will be coalescing around um, their public policy issue. What else are they going to be doing in Washington, D.C.? So they will be touring historically black colleges and universities. So they'll be going to Howard uh, University, Bowie State, (laughs) Uh, the University of D.C., as well as traditional universities, American and um, American and uh, Georgetown University. Um, they will be meeting with elected leaders. Uh, so they will be meeting um, with Senator um, Merkley out there. They'll also be meeting with uh, the police chief of D.C., Robert Conti, uh, who's uh, African-American himself. They'll be taking a day trip to Philadelphia to learn about the Constitution and the, uh, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. They'll be touring the African-American uh, National History Museum, which just opened a couple years ago. I haven't even been there yet. I'm jealous. Yes. Um, <laughs> attending a musical at Ford's Theater uh, where Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. So they will be uh, doing one of our core tenets of, of Word is Bomb, which is expanding their worldview. 
And they will not be able to say after this that I don't know, that I haven't seen a majority black city, that I haven't seen a university where I could attend, that they haven't been to the nation's capital and met mm-hmm. with the policymakers and been able to share their story. So I'm extremely excited. It's also a homecoming because I was born in Washington, D.C. So looking forward to that as well. I am going to sneak on a plane and follow you. All. <laughs> I'm just playing. You are thinking about every aspect of their lives. I went with my son to be fitted for a suit and shoes and ties and, and, and just watched how you're teaching them how to look like a leader mm-hmm. as well as teaching them intellectually and how to carry themselves. Everything about your program is something that I think any parent would be so proud and so honored to be a part of. And I just want to say kudos to you. I am so impressed. And I feel like this is a program that even though it's being started here in Portland, Oregon, I see it going across the country because it is so desperately needed. A hundred percent. And I would like to give a, a thank you to Tom James Clothing. Absolutely. And Ann and Mark Cleave. This is their going on their third year supporting our program. Um, tailoring suits for our young men, getting them shoes and ties. And it's it's also important to say, though, that our young men are leaders no matter what they are wearing. And that is a very big say that again. point um, that yes. our young men, our rising black men, are leaders no matter what they are wearing. And that even goes into our walking tours this weekend. I was leaning towards the side of having our young men wear uh, their dress clothes. And they said to me, we want to be able to for the community to see us how we they normally see us, not in some Amen. fancy presentation. And I honored that. And I want and, and I tell them all the time, like, just because we're going to get these suits. Now, it is true. Right. We live in a world where racism is real. Right. Yes. And yes. If you dress up, you will be taken more seriously. That is the reality. And you are six steps behind in terms of what you have to do to get the same respect and attention that your white counterparts would get. And that is not fair, but that is life. It's so the there is, uh, there is a, uh, intersection of two pieces that we do know that how you dress does matter. Mm. It shouldn't, but it does. And so we balance both of those things. We talk about code switching and being in different environments and how you have to present and that you will have to go six extra steps that a, that your white counterparts would not have to do, right? When they look on a resume and they see your name is Jamari, right? And you come in and you've got your hair braided back or you, whatever it is, you know, you are going to have to push harder, Um but we help prepare them for that. And Absolutely. To not, and to not let that be a barrier, right? Acknowledge it, but don't let it hold you back. And for some of our listeners who may not know what code switching is, let's explain that. Yeah, so so code switching, um, is it, it's, it's racialized in the sense of switching your demeanor and the way that you approach based on the environment mm-hmm. that you are in. Absolutely. To a degree, we all do it, right? Like if you're in front of your parents versus when you're in front of your friends, right? But when we talk about code switching in a racialized context we're talking about being in um different environments especially predominantly white environments where you just can't show up as your authentically black self well you have to switch in and how you do it right a lot of times i'll talk about just whether it's your hairstyle or however it is sometimes it's just in the way you speak and in, in, in the way you speak right and and being aware 
of that um and 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 how do we stay authentic to ourselves while also being aware and adjusting for the environment mm. that we in and if you are going to be black and successful you have to be able to master the art of code switching we have a long way to go don't we we do we do and it's a balance of acknowledging people think sometimes that when we acknowledge race or that when we talk about race, we're setting people up for failure, our young rising black men for failure. But it's like, no, we have to acknowledge it, right? We can't ignore the world we live right. in. We have to acknowledge it, but it's how we do it, right? And it's and it's using your your melanin to your advantage, not putting it away in the closet, but also not playing the race card at every opportunity, right? Absolutely. And, and knowing how how to stand on the shoulders of your ancestors and the work and the groundwork that they laid and be proud of your heritage and your skin color and, and all of those aspects that make you you while while also acknowledging the realities that we're in and pushing for the future because race and racism will not go away if we just pretend it doesn't exist. I'm so grateful for this podcast and for the opportunity to share with our audience your story and what you're doing to make a difference in our city and around the country and around the world because i know that you're planning in the third year of word is Vaughn these kids going to west africa and yes, sharing what they've learned here over there it's amazing we can't do it all in one podcast but i want you to know this is your second home Thank you're welcome you. anytime and we want to hear more about what happens uh, with these walking tours. So I want to invite you back. Yes, and get one of our guys to come so they can share what they what they learned on it. Absolutely. Well, you have heard it from Lakiana Drury of Word is Bond. Lakiana, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. Thank you, Crystal, for having me. <laughs> You're so welcome. And if you'd like more information on Word is Bond, go to their website at mywordisbond.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com